0: You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show.
1: It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 1079, home of the Ottawa Champions. Welcome to the July 23rd edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. And of course, listening on my SoundCloud Diamond Dante audio as the July 23rd edition will be solo, as I will be uh, running this show solo, as Michael Nellis is uh, out of town uh, for this episode. Corey Mess is also out of town, so it's just going to be me doing this one, as we have tons of interviews planned for you uh, in this July 23rd edition of Around the Diamonds. Starting off the show, I will be joined with, in our next segment, I will be joined with Max Tessenbaum of the Quebec Capitals, and Max is a former draftee of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, He played with the San Diego Padres, uh, was drafted out of there in the 11th round. Um, Now is is playing with the Quebec Capitals. This season is batting 3.45 as their catcher or their backup catcher. He can play a little infield, so it's going to be nice to hear what he has to say as he's actually a native of Toronto, Ontario and was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. So I'm curious to know what he has to say about not only being drafted by his hometown city, but also maybe by his favorite team. We'll have to see what he has to say about that. Following uh, the interview with Max Tessenbaum, we'll be joined with, my honestly, in my opinion, the best player in the Can-Am League, and that's Jay Austin. Jay uh, leads the can or second in the Can-Am League in steals. He's going to the All-Star Game to represent the self All-Stars at the American Association All-Star Game from the Can-Am League. Um, He's a former draftee of the Houston Astros, and he's not just a 17th round or 20th round pick. He was second round pick by the Astros in 2008. And guess what? He played with Albert Cartwright of the uh, Ottawa Champions with Jose Altuve, Jason Kipnis. This guy has been around the block for a long time and is a very exciting player to watch. Next time Sussex comes to town in August, you definitely want to come down to RCGT Park because this guy is absolutely outstanding. He covers a lot of ground in the outfielder outfield. He's a 5 tool player. He can hit. He can run. He can play defense. He has a good arm. He's a smart ball player, and I'm looking forward to hear what he has to say. Following the interview with Jay Austin, we'll be joined with Pat McKenna, second baseman for the Rockland Boulders. Yeah, we're going all Can-Am League this week because last week we went all the Ottawa champions. The champions are on the road this week. So I'm talking with um, you know different players from the Can-Am League, of course Sussex, uh, a little bit of Quebec, and now the Rockland Boulders. So Pat McKenna played Triple A with the San Diego Padres, and he had a roller coaster season in 2011. He went up from rookie ball to A ball to Double A AA to AAA in just one season, and he only played 38 games. 38 games, and he ended up going up four levels. He'll tell you exactly how he ended up going four levels, a little bit of injuries, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's going to be in our fourth segment as Pat McKenna will come on, not only to talk about his career, but to talk about that big bench clearing brawl that's going viral on the internet right now. Fox Sports aired it the other day. Vice Sports aired it on their website as well. Bleacher Report has had it on their app. As there was a bench clearing brawl between Fernando Cruz and the Rockland Boulders, Pat McKenna will talk about that as he was in the right in the middle of that as Cruz ran out of his dugout to the Rockland Boulders dugout and tried to fight the Rockland Boulders. And then Pat Butler came out and clotheslined them. It, it, this is something you should really check out. Just go online and go to Fox Sports. It, it's been all over Facebook, all over Twitter. It shouldn't be too hard to find. It's the New Jersey Jackals and Rockland Boulders bench clearing ball all over the internet. Something that I suggest you should definitely check out. Pat McKenna is going to talk a little bit about what happened there and what he thinks of the brawl in our fourth segment And then uh, in our fifth segment, I'm just going to kind of do a quick overall of the Can-Am League and the Ottawa Champions uh, going forward into next week's edition of Around the Diamond. Without further ado, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I will be joined with Max Tessenbaum of the Quebec Capitals to talk about his season, his career, and being drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays out of his hometown in Toronto, Ontario. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9.
0: This is Matt Helms from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ
1: 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079, home to the Ottawa Champions and sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. My guest for this segment is Canadian Max Tissenbaum. Max is a native of Toronto, Ontario, and is a former draftee of his hometown in Toronto, Blue Jays, and is also a former draftee of the San Diego Padres. Uh, let's now welcome Quebec Capitals catcher Max Tissenbaum to the show. Max, happy to have you here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And uh, no problem. Just to start start things off, I want to go back to be to the beginning of your career where you were drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in the 43rd round out of York Mills High School, which is also loca- located in Toronto, Ontario, before we go in-depth in that, Max, I want to ask you a little bit about how you exactly uh, got scouted out of that high school and how the Blue Jays ended up drafting you.
0: Um, I think that that was through my time with the Toronto Mets and the Canadian junior national team. Um, we played a really competitive schedule with the Mets and then obviously with Team Canada going down and playing against some of the professional teams in the Dominican and then in Florida during the, uh, the fall and the spring trips with the national team. Um, so I was out there quite a bit in high school. Um, and it was just playing a ton of games in front of a lot of, uh, a lot of scouts.
1: And that's Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And right after you had been drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, you, had been, uh, you had chose to go to Stony Brook University. What kind of made you want to go there instead of signing with the Jays?
0: Um, I knew at the time when they picked me with the round um, how late it was in the draft that it was going to be a, a real long shot to make it to the big leagues right out of high school. I didn't feel like I was ready for baseball to be a job either. At 18 years old, I thought I needed some time to mature um, physically and mentally. So um, Stony Brook had made a great offer for me to come to school there. It was a really, really good school academically and had a baseball program that was on the rise, and it was a spot where I'd be able to get playing time as a freshman. So it really just worked out um, with everything sort of coming together at the same time.
1: So you would say that you probably grew as a baseball player because you had got drafted you know, in the 11th round, whereas you know three years earlier you had been drafted out of the 43rd round. Was that kind of, did that kind of play into a factor, not only academically, but just the school itself? Yeah. Because it seems like you can maybe say to yourself when you went to Stony Brook, I don't know what you studied there, but you could say to yourself, well, if baseball doesn't work out, I have a fallback.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I did a um, business uh, degree with a specialization in marketing. So I got three years of that out of the way. And then definitely improved as a as a baseball player. And again, it's, it's mental and physical. Um, sort of learning how to train my body, when I need days off, when I need to increase my workloads and stuff. So it was uh, it was as much a physical thing as a mental thing, even on the baseball field.
1: That's Max Tissenbaum from the Quebec Capitals joining us here on Around the Diamond. And just from you know looking up and down, you were drafted as a middle infielder, but once you got into the minor league affiliated ball, you spent some time at first base, a little bit of second base. I'm just curious to know how you picked up catching, because you hadn't caught one single game in your professional career until you ended up in A ball with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2014.
0: Yeah, so I've been, I've been hearing since I was like 13 or 14 years old that I was too slow to be a middle infielder moving forward. Um, So I've known all along that that move was coming. Um, And then at the end of the 2013 season, San Diego Padres brought me to instructional league um, to start transitioning me as a catcher. I was traded that offseason to the Rays, and when I got to spring training, they asked me um, what my thoughts were on catching. And I told them, if I can be in the lineup every day and get my four or five at-bats, I'll do whatever I can to help the team. Um, and they said they thought the best option would be to catch. So we went full, full steam ahead in spring training in 14, and I worked a lot with their catching coordinator, Paul Hoover, and did a ton of receiving work, a ton of blocking work, and opened the year as a catcher.
1: And that's Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And of course, I mean, how was the transition from being a middle infielder to a catcher? Because I know Russell Martin had also been a middle infielder as well and, and caught a little bit. I mean, how was the transition? Was it tough having to block, you know, pitches in the dirt and getting used to that position?
0: Yeah, it was it was really difficult. Um, you're looking at the game from a completely different point of view. There's a million more things that you've got to actually think about with the, the pitch calling and the sort of managing the game, managing the pitchers. Um, So from that side of things, it was a lot of learning because I had never had to be in charge of things before. Um, So it was a lot more thinking. Um, And then obviously the the physical side of being in the squat for three hours at a time, um, having to be in a ready stance when there's runners on, knowing when to block, knowing when to sort of try and get a pitch for, um, for a strike as opposed to just sort of, giving up on it and catching it. Um, there's a lot of like really small details that I don't think a lot of people realize until they get back there with a really high-level catching coach.
1: And that's Max Tissenbaum from the Quebec Capitals joining us here on Around the Diamond. And just to follow up on that, from watching you play this season, Max, uh, it, it's brought a lot to my attention that you bring a lot of versatility to the Quebec Capitals as you manage to move around from catcher to second base to third as well. So, I mean, how does that feel uh, in prepping for the game before, taking ground balls at third and at second, and, I mean, is it any different when you have to do it mid-game?
0: Um, it's a little different going in um, in the middle of the game. It's only happened a couple times where I've done from catching to playing infield. Um, but having spent so many years as an infielder, um, I have been playing competitively from the time I was seven or eight years old. I'm now almost 25. Um, the majority of my years and practice were in the infield. So I can sort of almost get away with a little bit less work there and more work on my catching at times.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: the, the fact that I've been doing it for so long means that it's, it's pretty easy to maintain.
1: Quebec Quebec Capitals catcher Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And just this season, I've noticed, I mean, uh, just this season, I noticed that he had started off the year with the Miami Marlins system in Aval, but were eventually released after just nine games were uh, as far as I'm concerned, you performed pretty well. Seven hits in nine games, seven RBIs uh, also in those nine games max. Once you got cut from the Marlins, how did you find another job so quick with the Capitals? Was it just knowing someone on the team like a Jonathan Malo, or did management kind of go out and find you?
0: Um, I think that management, was they've been looking, they've been actively searching for guys. Even never since I've got here, they've been always on the lookout for new guys. Um, but my agent, Blake Karofsky, um, immediately, when he found out, um, gave me a call and said, what do you think about going up to Quebec?
2: Um,
0: and I think he made the first call to kind of put my name out there and say that I was interested in playing. And then uh, Pat Scalabrini, the manager, and Blake kind of got in touch and went back and forth. And Blake told me that they wanted me to come up here. So it was a, a pretty easy decision.
1: And one thing that I've noticed as well, just from, uh, you know, covering the Ottawa Champions and also covering some of your games as well, is that there's, you know, a good amount of Canadian baseball players, including yourself, on the Quebec Capitals. Was that anything to maybe look at when you're coming to the Capitals? And now that you're there, is it kind of cool to have a a good amount of Canadian content on the team?
0: Yeah, it was really nice. Once I uh, I decided that, yeah, I was going to come up here, uh, I looked at the roster and I noticed a whole bunch of names that I've played with and against. Um, Jasra Carr, one of our starting pitchers, mm-hmm. I played with him in college, and I played against him my whole life. Our closer, John Fitzsimmons, yeah. and I played against each other forever growing up. Um, and actually, my first year playing competitively, when I was seven, Marcus Connect was on the same team as me as an eight-year-old. So wow. I've, known, uh, I've known a few of the guys for a really long time, and that definitely helped with the comfort factor coming in.
1: And, uh, you know, just to mention that uh, John Fitzsimmons, I came on my show about a month ago and it was really nice to have him on because he had that scoreless inning streak. Of course, he's only allowed one run. He is now representing the can League at the American Association Self All-Stars team. Uh, I mean, how nice has it been to have a guy like John Fitzsimmons on your team, knowing that when he comes in to the ninth, it's pretty much already over as uh, us Ottawa fans have you know, had a chance to watch that. And and is is it really tough to kind of catch Fitzsimmons or is it, you know, very, you know, pretty fun to catch him as well?
0: Oh, it's, it's awesome to catch. Um, you really get back there. He's got a good three-pitch mix. Um, and both Adam Erlich and I, we know what he wants to do as a pitcher. He's got a really, really good idea of how to pitch to different hitters. So there's very few times when he's shaking us off. There's very few times when we're sort of trying to figure out what one another are thinking. Um, he's always in attack mode, and he's always right around the strike zone. So it's a lot of fun to go and catch a guy like that who's got – really high-end stuff.
1: And that's Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, growing up being a, a local Toronto boy, you, you I don't know if you were always a, a Toronto Blue Jays fan, but was there anyone that you might have looked up to in particular that uh, that made you the way you are today?
2: Yeah, I've
0: always been a Blue Jays fan um, growing up. My grandfather um, is a season ticket holder. He has been since the first year in 77. Wow. So I grew up going to ball games with him and following the team. Um, I always tell this one story when I was 10 or 11, we went down to spring training and we were actually going to see the blue Jays at the Yankees place up in Tampa. And I was a shortstop at the time. And we get to the practice field and it's about 10 o'clock in the morning before a one o'clock game. And on this one practice field by himself is Derek Jeter taking ground ball. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this guy's a, an all-star every year, he's the gold glover every year. And he's the first guy out on the field taking extra ground balls. That's the guy I want to be. Um, so that's kind of stuck with me as something that sort of drives me to be the guy that shows up first and leaves last and is always willing to do as much as I can to put myself in a position where I can chip in whatever I can to the team.
1: That's pretty crazy, and thanks for sharing that. But uh Going back to catching a little bit, uh, when you started catching in 2014 with the Tampa Bay Rays system, of course you went to spring training with them, um, who would you say is the best pitcher that you've ever had to catch in your career to this point? Uh, I knew it would get you there.
0: Yeah. Um, I've caught a lot of guys, um, a bunch of the, the Rays league guys um, on rehab starts during bullpen. Um, so I've caught Matt Moore, I've caught Alex Colomay, um, I think I caught a side for Alex Cobb, Joel Peralta. There's a, a ton of big league guys that come through the Florida State League on rehab. That's a really tough one to pick out one guy. Um, I think starting pitching wise, probably be Taylor Guerrero. Okay. Um, he's up in double A with the Rays now. Actually, he might even be in triple A. Um, really good, really good mix of a plus fastball at 93, 95 miles an hour and just absolutely lights out breaking stuff.
1: And I guess, can you tell us, once you got into the Rays system, was there anyone there, maybe a veteran or, or some sort of player coach that uh, kind of helped you uh, a little bit in the minor league system? It could be either with the uh, San Diego Padres, the Rays, or even Miami Marlins.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt, um, it's, it's Paul Hoover, the catching coach with the Rays. Um, I've, had, I've had tons of coaches over all my years of playing, and I, I tell everybody, I think he was one of the best technical teaching coaches Um, He broke everything down to its simplest form with all sorts of different drills that would help not only teach the skill, but sort of give you that aha moment where you understand why, and that was huge for me because having absolutely no training, no experience as a catcher, I had to really learn how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, Um, and all those little sort of step-by-step drills that he did. The process work was huge, huge, huge in getting to the point that I was able to catch consistently in games.
1: And since this is your first, you know, full season going into Indie Ball, what would you say is the main difference between affiliated baseball and independent baseball? I, I, I've i always asked, um, you know, most independent players and minor league players that do come on the show this question, so I'm just curious to know your answer.
0: I think for me it's been the fact that here we're trying to win um, this year with this group. Um, versus in the minor leagues where it's all about player development and sort of future value. Um, There will be times in a minor league season where somebody who may not be right for a situation in a game today is put into a situation um, because eventually down the road, that's where the organization sees them playing. Um, When you come out to independent ball, we're worried about winning a championship this year, winning games every night. So rather than going to somebody who may be isn't ready for that ninth inning role. Um, we're going to go to fifth every single time we've got a three-run lead in the ninth inning, um, and we might use it multiple nights in a row. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference: is the playing to win championships versus playing to develop championship-caliber players.
1: And now that you've came over from affiliated ball to the Quebec Capitals, of course, when you first signed it, you know, seeing that Quebec was interested in you might have been a little bit enticing. To, to yourself, because it's a nice city, it's a big city, it's a nice market, they got lots of nice restaurants. Uh, you know, of course, it, it might feel a little bit different with the people speaking French. Uh, I mean, how, how, how much of a transition has that been for you?
0: It's been great. I've, I've, I really love the city. I've been here one time before for a tournament when I was 16. Um, so I've seen the ballpark before, I'd never been inside of it actually. Um, but the big city has been awesome. I've only ever played in sort of smaller towns. Throughout my minor league career, there being uh, a much more major city has been awesome. There's tons of stuff to do, restaurants to go to. Um, it's nice to have a little variety, and I'm starting to, to pick the French back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, being Canadian, I had to learn it in, in school, so yep. it's been a little while since I've used it, but it's starting to come back.
1: And, of course, Max, before we go, I have a question for you. Um, you mentioned before in the uh, in the interview that uh, you had played for the Canadian junior national team. Um, what can you tell us about that experience going over to the Dominican uh, Republic and playing against teams there? And um, are there any players that you had played with on the junior national team that are in a minor league-affiliated ball right now or in the majors uh, at this point? Well, There's
0: uh, the, my first trip I was playing as a 17-year-old with the 18-year-old. Um, so that year I was playing with Brett Rory. He was sort of the keystone piece on that team. Um, now in the Big with the White Sox. Um, Marcus Connect was on that team. Um, and there's a ton of other guys that are still in the minor leagues. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really cool experience for me to go down on all of those trips. Dominican was just my first one. Um, but to wear Canada across your chest on the jersey and have the Maple Leaf on your hat um, it was a really, really proud moment for me because it was one of those times where I could sort of take it all in and go, you know what, I've, I've worked really hard for this. And it was really gratifying to sort of feel like I was in that upper echelon of Canadian talent and representing our country. So it was a, it was a really, really proud moment and uh, a really exciting time for me.
1: Anyways, uh, so that's gonna wrap up this interview. Uh, thank you so much for coming on around the diamond, and uh, we look forward to—I look forward to, to seeing you against the Ottawa champions. I believe this coming upcoming week, and uh, uh, we hope you guys don't crush us like you did. <laughs> well, uh,
0: I can't really promise anything there, but thank you for having me on. It. Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on
1: CKDJ
2: 107.9.
1: Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home to every single Ottawa Champions game and sponsored by Sambat, the original Mapleback Corporation since 1997. Before I was talking with Quebec Capitals Max Tissenbaum, now we're talking with Sussex County Miners, star center fielder Jay Austin. And also, in my opinion, the best 5-2 player in the Can-Am League. Jay, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Anytime, brother. And uh, before we get into things, I just want to say congratulations on being uh, named to the uh, American Association Self All-Stars Team and representing the Can-Am League. So, Jay, to start off, well, I mean, how does it feel to be named uh, to the Can-Am League All-Stars Team?
3: Uh, it feels great. It's a great accomplishment. Is uh, all my hard work that I put in in the season. Showing that it's paying off,
1: and uh, and now Jason, I just got a quick question for you, just to get this out of the way. Uh, the word around town is that you had a chance to play with Albert Cartwright in the Houston Astros system.
3: Uh, yes, I, I met I met Cartwright back in 2008 in rookie ball, and uh, we played all the way up to high A together, and we became good friends over the years.
1: So, so so Jay, the question is, is he the real A.C.? Because he walks around town telling himself he's the, the real A.C., but I told him, nah, you're not the real A.C. So is he the real A.C.? <laughs> yeah, he the,
3: he, he's the real A.C., man. He's the real A.C., great guy, man. Great guy, great ball player.
1: And, uh, I mean, it must have been kind of cool to play with a guy in Albert Cartwright, you know, one of the only few players to make it out of the Bahamas. What was the experience playing with uh, Ottawa champions Albert Cartwright in the Houston Astros system?
3: Oh, it was pretty fun man. He uh he taught me some some pro things to the game because when I came in I wanna say it was his second year mm-hmm. and uh, we had good times. We, we worked on our head in a lot and uh, we just challenged each other on a basis to see like who's gonna get the most stolen bags, who's the fastest. We used to race each other all the time. He used to beat me, I used to beat him, but he beat me more though.
1: And, and, Jay, I want to ask you, because you had quite the speedster team, you, you know, the likes of yourself, who stole, I believe, over 50 bags that season. Albert Cartwright had around 50 stolen bases. Jose Altuve was there. I mean, you guys were a very uh, good team on the base paths, and that must have been awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was it was great, man, to see, you know, all of us. we using our speed skill, and um, it was just great. We had Altuve, Cartwright, me. We had Jonathan Villar, who was also fast. We had um, who else we had on that team?
1: Jason Kipnis. Uh,
3: No, Kipnis was on. He was on my fall league team.
1: Okay, so but nonetheless, you had you guys had probably one of the fastest teams in A ball, which is uh, something to talk about. Um, I just got. I just want to go back to the start of your career, Jay, where you were drafted out of high school. I mean, what can you tell us about that experience? Did you get any offers from some colleges and universities to go there, and what made you want to sign with Houston when you were drafted out of the second round?
3: Yes, I, I had a, um, I had a couple scholarships uh from Georgia, South Carolina, Southern California, Tennessee, Florida. So I had a couple, but I chose I chose to go to Southern California. I went out to California. I had a great time. It was my first time on the West Coast, and all the coaches showed me they showed me love, and I was able I was I was able to have an opportunity to play football too.
1: Oh, I was going to say, uh, I mean, what can you tell us about your, your football career? Because you said that you had played a little bit of football. You had played a little bit of baseball as well. What made you want to decide, you know, which sport?
3: Oh, um, well, I, I always loved football. Like, football, I come from a football family. I have, like, two, three uncles that played in the NFL. And uh, I chose baseball because, I mean, I fell in love with the game. My dad taught me, my dad taught me the game, and uh, it was challenging. Like, I, I remember summers leaving football practice to go play baseball, like the traveling, and just the challenge that the game brought to me itself.
1: And so, Jay, I mean, uh, just a follow-up question to that. When you had went to, uh, I mean, when you had got offers to go to college and university, were there any offers for football as well, or was it just baseball?
3: Uh, Yes, I I was going to football as well at at Southern Cal.
1: Okay. Um, So I, I just got... I want to follow up to that one. At the age of seventeen, you were playing professional baseball in the Houston Astros system, which must have been a, a tough transition because once you got it, at the age of eighteen, you were playing A-ball. I um, mean, was it a, a different transition leaving home at a young age and playing, uh, you know, professional baseball and adapting to a new style of life?
3: Uh, yes, it was a big transition. I mean, I was seventeen. I was fresh out of high school. I never really lived on my own, and then I got to pro ball. And the speed of the game was so much faster than high school, so it was a big transition.
1: And and once you were in high school, Jay, I have to I have to ask you about a little bit how you got scouted. You know, how did how did the scouts from the Houston Astros and other organizations come see you play, and how did you get noticed?
3: Uh, I used to when I when I got to high school around like tenth grade, we started going up to East Cobb and about those tournaments, those perfect game tournaments. And my speed was something that always stuck out. So people would come to the park and they would want to see me run. And I would like hit, I would hit a ball in the gap and I would just run. And I guess of took notice of that.
1: And so I guess uh, you, you talk about your speed a little bit. We're, I mean, what position did you have played when you were football? Were you a wide receiver or would you a cornerback?
3: Oh, in high school, I did a little bit of everything. I played quarterback, running back, receiver cornerback, safety, hmm. I returned uh, punts, kickoff returns, I did it all in high school. High school was fun,
1: man. Yeah, man, high school's the, the days, bro. I'm not in high school anymore, but uh, and now that, <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm in college, you know how it is. Um, so now that you've been out at Affiliated Ball for, for a couple years now, Jay, what would you say the difference is be- between independent baseball and, uh, and playing also Affiliated Ball? What's the difference between both of those leagues?
3: uh I would say I would say independent ball is less politics, and uh the independent ball also like I mean you have to play like you either play or you go home, there's nobody in front of you, there's nobody behind you as an affiliated ball, you kind of kind of got a lot of politics and you know moving up, moving down, kind of worried about the wrong things instead of just playing baseball.
1: And once you were in the Houston Astros system, was there anyone there—a veteran or, or some type of player—maybe when you went to spring training with the team that you might have looked up to when you were there, and said, and you know, you you almost acted like a sponge around a veteran player that you had a chance to play with.
3: Oh uh, yeah, uh, when I was in camp, uh, I would say Michael Bourne.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I was always, I was always around him. I was always asking him questions. I was, I was trying to mirror his game a little bit.
1: And and since you're from Atlanta, was there any players growing up that you had looked up to that you, you said to yourself that you would uh you know want to be like him? I know that you know some some people I've asked that question too always say Derek Jeter or uh, a guy like Juan Pierre. Would who would you say your idol was growing up?
3: Uh, growing up was Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, but uh, with the Braves, I mean, I way going to watch Andrew Jones in the field.
2: hmm
1: Yeah, Andrew Jones is one of those guys. Uh, that uh, that was one of the you know key players. But this season, what's been the key for you? I know that you had played in the Frontier League. You've played in the Frontier League for for two seasons. Now that you uh, came over to the CanAm League, um, is there any difference from the Frontier League and the CanAm League? Because I know some people would say it's a little bit of lower league than the CanAm League. What would you say about that? Uh,
3: yes, I would say I would say there's a difference. I mean, the pitching is obviously better in this league. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got all the you got all the guys that know what they're doing. They could. They can throw more than some. Some pitchers can throw more than two pitches for strikes, opposed to throwing one pitch for a strike.
1: And would you say that it's a, almost a benefit to you this season, since there's only six teams in the league that you get to see pitchers more and more often?
3: Uh, a little bit. I mean, I mean, I see pitchers all the time, but you know, every pitcher has his day, where they're on or they're off, and I just try to take advantage of it.
1: And once you're in the Frontier League, and you had left the that in 2015, how did how did Bobby Jones of the Sussex County Miners kind of go out and find you? How'd you end up coming over to Sussex in the Can-Am League?
2: Uh,
3: I, I'm what I'm guessing is him and uh, my coach from last year in Traverse City, Dan. I think they knew each other, mm-hmm. and uh, I told Dan that I wanted to go to a better league, you know, to challenge myself and see where see where my talent is. And I think him and Bobby. Uh, to uh to Sussex County.
1: And and now that you do come to the Canon League, I know that, you know, we have this season has been a huge high for the Canon League in general because we've sent so many players to so many minor league organization. Uh your thought process coming into this league was obviously not only to win but to maybe get picked up by MLB an MLB organization once again. Uh
3: coming in this year, I just I just wanted to show teams, you know, that last year wasn't a fluke, that I still can play and uh, I i I pretty much don't worry about getting picked up because if you worry about it, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Mm-hmm. So I just try to come to the ballpark every day with a clear mind, just play hard and whoever in stands watching just show them that I can play.
1: And you talk about last season your age 24 season with uh, Travis hitting the Frontier League. You only stole 16 stolen bases, but in 65 games, but you had a three nineteen average, so it seemed like you were driving the ball just as good as you are this year in sixty games you have thirty stolen bases. Has it just been uh knowing when to run or I mean, what was the difference between last year and this year?
3: Uh I'm running more. Last year I, I didn't I didn't run I didn't run as much as I should have. And uh I mean this year I'm just taking my chances, man. My legs feel good. I mean I'm getting I'm getting good jumps and I'm just taking my chances.
1: And I, you're right about that. Every time I'm calling one of the games, I see you on first base. I always call it that you're going to steal. Um, but, I, of course, in this show, I had talked to uh, Pat McKenna a little bit about how uh, the bench claim brawl between Rockland and New Jersey. I just I don't know if you had a chance to watch the video. I mean, obviously, it's good for the Can-Am League because it's going all over the Internet. It's on Fox Sports. It's on ESPN. Everybody's kind of talking about this. I want to hear your thoughts on the bench claim brawl between the Rockland Boulders cause. and the New Jersey Jackals.
3: Oh yeah, I got a chance. I got a chance to see the video. I mean, whatever happened, that guy seemed like he was pretty mad about it, <laughs> and he wanted to get it off his chest. I don't think he should have went to the other the other team's dugout though. That wasn't smart.
1: Well, no, because you're going up against maybe another 20 guys. So I mean, I guess it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be too smart. Um, but I guess is over your, uh, Before we go, I want to ask you over your, the course of your career, has there maybe been you know? Maybe your dad or your uncles or someone uh, throughout your career that has maybe maybe helped you or a player to be uh, you know the way you are today.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say my my pops. I mean, he taught he pretty much taught me the game. You
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, know, every time I came home from the all season, you know, he asked me what I learned and what I need to work on, and I mean, we just worked on it. And then um, when I got released, when I got released from Houston. I mean, my dad was there pretty much. You know, helped me through, I guess it was a low point in my life.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: You know, he was there to talk to me, you know, tell me, you know, everything's going to be all right. i get back in the game. And uh, I just stuck with it, man. I didn't give up.
1: And actually, just one more question. I had asked uh – Max Tissenbaum of the Quebec Capitals before about this question, but, I mean, is it kind of weird when you go through the minor league system and you play with and play against some of these guys and then you come over to independent ball and you see them once again and say, oh, I remember playing with you. Is it kind of cool or you have a little chat here and there about it?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool, man, because, like you said, uh, you play against some dudes in affiliate and then you get to independent ball and you see these same dudes and it's like, bro, I played against you like three, four years ago. So that was pretty cool.
1: So, do do you still wanna, do you and still uh, Albert Cartwright have a little chat here and there when maybe if he's on? Uh, actually, no, because you're in the outfield all the time. But do you have a little chat before the game here and there? Or you guys still talk?
3: Yeah, I mean, we talk. We talk all the time. We talk. I text him. He'll text me. We'll talk before the game. If I steal a base, and I will talk to him on second.
2: Oh
1: yeah, because we,
3: we always talk. That's my that's my. He's like a brother, man.
1: Really? All right. Sounds good, man. Um, So that's going to wrap up uh, this interview. Uh, Jay, we wish you best of luck at the All-Star game, best of luck this season, and uh, I mean, we hope you don't steal too many bases when you come in Ottawa and play the champions. It was a pleasure to have you on. (laughs) All right, thanks, man. That was Sussex County Miners' Jay Austin. Coming up next, Rockland Boulder's Pat McKenna will join us here on Around the Diamond. That's coming up next on CKDJ 107.9.
3: Hey, this is Daniel Bick from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to the Ottawa Champions on CKDJ
1: 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home to every single Ottawa Champions game and sponsored by Sambath, the original Mapleback Corporation, since 1997. Before, I was talking with Jay Austin of the Sussex County Miners. Now joining me over the phone is Rockland Boulder's infielder, Pat McKenna, Pat is a former draftee of the Detroit Tigers and played professional baseball as high as AAA. Pat, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Good to be here.
1: And uh, thanks for coming on, of course. And now, Pat, I want to go back to the beginning of your career where you were drafted out of Bryant College in 2009 by the Tigers. What can you tell us about that? And was baseball always your main priority going into college and out of high school? And, and, And how did you get scouted to get drafted out of there by the Tigers in the 27th round?
4: Um, so I was a, I was a three sport athlete in high school. Um, but baseball being my main, my main sport, you know, the other ones just to kind of keep me in shape throughout, throughout the off season and stuff. Um, so baseball was always my, always my sport. We had a, A very good high school program um, that I came up through. Um, A lot of success before I got there, while I was there, and and still now. Um, You know, and I just went to a couple showcases um, in high school and uh, ended up getting seen by uh, Jamie Pinzino, who was at Assumption college at the time um recruited me was planning on going to assumption um in about three days before assumption was moving in um jamie called me up and said hey um i'm gonna be moving uh moving schools you mind if i come down you know come to your house and, and talk about this i said all right that's fine so he ended up coming down he told me that he was going to Bryant University which I already applied to already had looked at already been recruited by um, so I said yeah I'm, I'm in so um, went there for went there for four years was um, starting shortstop all four years uh, my freshman year had uh, had an a- uh, ankle break broke my ankle in like the, the sixth game of the season and didn't know about it played on it the whole season um ended up having a a pretty poor year statistically um hit like 200 and had a bunch of errors and stuff and kind of was out of my comfort zone you know um had been successful in high school and stuff and then Mm -hmm. get into college and had a really good fall and had a really bad spring but um he, he stuck with me and um, became a um, captain my sophomore year and then from there on um, just kind of um, produced numbers had had some good seasons um, and then we went to D1 my senior year um, and I had a had a had a good season that year um, which kind of made made the scouts a little more. Um, interested i guess you could say yeah um so leading leading up to the draft i probably was talking to about uh, i don't know um 15 about half half the major league teams um some showing more interest than others um and you know got went back to after we were done with our season um, to continue working out and uh, went out fishing um, with my grandfather uh, the day of the draft got home from fishing ended up um, sitting on the couch for a second and about five minutes later my name was announced by uh, the Detroit Tigers and I got a call a few minutes after by the scout that had scouted me you know welcoming me and stuff like that so um it was a it was a moment it was kind of at the time it didn't really hit me what was going on um you know I had been listening to the draft years prior just interest in people that I've played with and interest with you know guys that I knew and stuff but uh, to um to kind of hear your name was kind of different than uh, anything before
1: and you're right about that. That's Pat McKenna of the Rockland Boulders joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, and uh, just to get this out of the way, I noticed that in the Tiger system, you had played in a, uh, with a guy in Jordan Leonardton uh, Jordan had came on my show about a month and a half ago. And um, just it, it must be kind of funny to to play with guys in affiliated ball and then come over to independent ball and even the Can-Am League. And then you see them on the other side and said, hey, I remember playing with you. And you have a, a couple jokes here and there. It must be kind of cool playing against some of the guys that you spent time with in uh, the affiliated systems
4: yeah yeah it's cra- it's crazy how uh, how you end up crossing paths again um you know i talked to i talked to jordan um before our first game in in quebec um a couple weeks ago um you know and and how things have changed since we played and how things how some things are still the same it's it's kind of cool but yeah it's definitely it's definitely different uh Normally, uh, I was used to getting dressed in the same locker room as him, and now now you're going out there and uh, and you're you're hoping uh, you're hoping that uh, he doesn't he doesn't produce too much against you.
1: And he's been good this season. Of course, you played with uh, Leonardton for I believe it was one or two seasons, if I'm correct, correct about that. But uh, I want to go to your 2011 season with the San Diego Padres system. That's the season that you jumped from high A or from rookie ball to high A to double-A, AA to triple-A in a matter of months. Now, Pat, was it just injuries coming into play when you got the call? Or how did that season kind of play out? Because I'm very curious to know about that.
4: Yeah, so um, I got I got released in spring training by the Tigers that year. Um, and uh, a day after I got released, I flew home from Florida. A day after, I got a call from San Diego saying, you know, we'd like to pick you up and... Stuff like that. So the next day, I flew out to Arizona, um, and they were just starting extended spring training. Um, so I played. Uh, we had a couple practices in extended spring training, um, and then I played about six games in extended spring training, um, and I was, you know, as as hot as I could ever be, uh, hitting wise, um, and come in one day and the manager is about six 30 in the morning and I'm about to go into the cage and comes up to me and says, Hey, you're going to, you're going to triple And at first I kind of thought he was kidding. Cause, <laughs> you know, I was an extended spring training. I had just gotten released about two weeks prior. Um, and now he's telling me I'm going to, you know, triple um, which was about two hours, two hours from where I was at and extended, um, so I just packed up my bags, headed down there. Um, that was that was due to uh, Andy Perino, uh, an infielder, getting injured. Ah. Um, that that first time, and then um, you know played there for played there for about a month, month and a half. Um, and honestly, honestly, my my first couple at bats went really, really well, and then I just thought, you know. What, what do I have to do to try to stay up here? Because you know, Triple A baseball, you're, you're you're not too far away from from everybody's dream. Um, and so I just tried doing way too much and started struggling at the plate, striking out a bunch, and didn't <clears throat> didn't have very good results. Playing fine defense um, and and doing everything I doing everything I can to. Uh, Changed the hitting side of it, uh, made some adjustments with the uh, hitting coach there. And then I got uh, one of the guys from the big league team got sent down. So um, I ended up, or he came off the DL, so I ended up going to AA. Um, met them in Frisco, Texas um, after uh, two two really bad days of travel. But got to Frisco, um, played, played there for about... Um, about another month, month and a half, um, swung it pretty well. Didn't play as much as I did in AAA, but swung it okay. Um, and then they, uh, sent me to low way and told me, you know, get all your stuff. Cause at the time I was just living out of, you know, one suitcase. I hadn't unpacked it. <laughs> um, so they basically said, Hey, you have all your stuff. You're going to low way. We want you to get as many at bats as possible. You're going to play every day. Um, cause they had some prospects there that were struggling. So I went there, played, uh, played about four or five games and got hit in the hand with a pitch and broke my hand. And back to Arizona, I went to rehab. Um, after, after I rehabbed for about six to eight weeks, I went back to AAA for about a month and a half to end the season. And that's where, that's where everything started clicking. Um, just because I knew it was towards the end of the season, you know what I did. The first stint with AAA was try way too hard to, you know, prove myself. And this time around, I was just like, you know, I'm here. Might as well just play the game that I'm nor that I'm used to playing. So that's where I had my success.
1: And of course, that's uh, Pat McKenna joining us here on Around the Dining. And after that, you know, rollercoaster season where you got injured, you went up to AAA, AA, and Single A. Um, You went to the Frontier League for four seasons where you played for normal. And after you got cut from affiliated ball, I mean, how was the transition from affiliated ball over to the Frontier League independent ball?
4: Um, I mean, it was definitely a little bit of a transition just because instead instead of having a bunch of teams in an organization with a bunch of, you know, roving coordinators in minor league. Um, directors Um, you know you're playing for one team and one manager and about three guys on the staff so um, that was different Um, I think it was also different um, just how I don't think baseball really was that much different as far as um, the skills um, of the players I chose the frontier league I was I had a couple options um, when I was released um, but I chose frontier league just because it was a younger league um, a lot of younger guys out of college or guys that weren't affiliated that want to get back to affiliated that's kind of my style of play was you know that um, that kind of grinding grinding everything out um, and just playing to get back to affiliated um, so I don't I don't think the baseball the skill level or anything I mean it's a, definitely a little different from AAA and Double A but very similar to a low A high A with you know a mixture of guys in there that definitely you're like well why why are they here why aren't they in Double A AA, AAA kind of thing so
1: and that's Pat McKenna's jo- McKenna joining us here on Around the Diamond. And other than the Atlantic League, you've managed to play for the three main independent leagues. That's the Can-Am League, the American Association, and the Frontier League. Of course, you spent more time with the Frontier League, uh, where, whereas you've only spent, I believe, one season w- with the uh, American Association. Um, now that you've played in all those leagues, what can you tell us about the difference between those three big leagues, uh, the Can-Am League, the American Association, and the Frontier League? What's the difference there? Yeah.
4: Um, the Frontier League, like I said, is a younger league, so you get a lot more um, younger, unpolished pitchers, I guess you could say, or unpolished hitters, um, guys with raw tools, and um, you know, guys that that were successful in college or in lower um, affiliated teams um, that had very good skill, but you know, just didn't have didn't have that little bit of extra to get to another league or back to affiliated. Um, the American Association, I think, um, you know, is more like a high A, double A type caliber with some guys there that you know have big league time, have triple A time, um, and. Basically, you know, a lot more consistency throughout the lineup and throughout the pitching staff. Um, you know, a lot more, a lot more pitchers per se instead of you know younger throwers. I guess you could say, um, you know, guys that knew knew how to pitch pitch certain guys and and didn't just rely on the raw fastball or slider that they had. Um, and the Camm, I think, is a little. I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I think there's the consistency in the pitching and the hitting, um, and kind of the all around, you know, fielding, base running type stuff. Um, it's just a smaller, a smaller league. There's only six teams compared to the American association that has 12. Um, so I think, I think just the size of the league is, is the difference in, um, in, in the two leagues with the American Association and the Can-Am. Now, I mean, I know guys and myself have talked about, you know, this this league could be even better if, you know, there was one or two more teams um, in the mix, you know, so you're not playing the same teams over and over and over. You're kind of you're kind of getting a little more. Um, you know, spread out as far as maybe a, maybe another team in in Maine or Vermont or New Hampshire type thing, where um, travel is is a little bit different, but you're also facing a lot more a lot more teams too.
1: And that's Pat McKenna joining us here on Around the Diamond. And of course, you mentioned that you'd spent a month and a half in AAA. Once you got as high as AAA or even Double A, was there any guys that you had a chance to to learn from any veterans that are in the majors today that you almost acted like a sponge around once you were up in AAA?
4: Yeah, I mean, just kind of some of the some of the guys that I played with, like uh, Anthony Rizzo, who was actually younger than me at the time. um, But just kind of watching the way he went about playing the game, and um, you know, he obviously has a special gift in in uh, how he plays the game and hitting and stuff. um, But just kind of just being that like fly on the wall, just kind of watching what they do and how they do it. Um, but then there are some older guys um, like Bogan Forsyth, who I played with, who, you know, I would talk to quite a bit about, you know, just different parts, whether it was mentally or physically part of, part of baseball. Um, but I, even, even some pitchers on the team, and I'm not a pitcher, but just getting their feedback on what pitchers are thinking or, or what, you know, some guys that I've, that I became close with, you know, were, um, were ex-big leaguers, you know, and, and they knew, you know, what it took to get there and, and, and stuff like that. So um, I did play with quite a, quite a few um, throughout AA and AAA that are now either have made the big leagues or now are, you know, stars in the big leagues like Anthony Rizzo, um, which is, is cool to see. Years ago, and now they're they're doing well up in up in the highest level that they possibly can be.
1: And that's uh, Rockland Boulders second baseman Pat McKenna joining us here on Around the Diamond. And there's a video video going viral on the internet, and that's the big bench clearing brawl between the Rockland Boulders and the New Jersey Jackals. Of course, you had a chance to be a part of that. Um, just to walk walk you know go through it a little bit it seemed like with the bases loaded i forget who was on the mound but he had thrown at what your catcher nidefer he had got hit you guys kind of didn't like how that kind of came about and then i believe fernando cruz just came out of nowhere and tried to jump into your bullpen or now your bullpen into your dugout i mean how did that kind of play a part because it i mean this video is going viral. rowan i, I want to hear your, your two cents on this one yeah so
4: um basically what happened you know it, it was it was kind of, uh, you know, we were down 8-3 to three going into the, into the ninth and we got some base runners aboard, um, and we had the bases loaded, and Nidaford ended up getting hit, um, which, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good when you get hit with 95. Um, so he kind of just, you know, looked at the pitcher and, and slowly walked down first base, didn't say anything, and the pitcher ended up saying something. Um, so that got everybody riled up and just cleared. Nothing happened in that stuff. Just, just some emotions running high. Um, you know, and we ended up uh, scoring five runs off of Cruz in that ninth inning to tie it up. Um, and there was some chirping going on back and forth between um, Cruz on the mound and, and some guys on our bench. And after the inning was over, um, he uh, – he was kind of frustrated with with guys in our dugout and also how he pitched and how he gave up the lead and and uh, I think uh, he just got so overwhelmed with that that um, he just came charging over to our dugout and uh, you know the the video kind of explains what what happened after that. Both the whole night didn't work out for Cruz at all, but um, yeah, it was I've never I've never seen I've seen I've seen a bunch of A bunch of bench clearing um, incidents in baseball, but I've never seen anything like that.
1: Uh, That was probably one of the funniest things I ever heard. And I was watching it with some of the guys on the Ottawa Champions, and they were like, What is going on? Like, I just don't understand why a guy in Cruz would, you know, run across the other dugout to go up against, you know, 25 other players, which which doesn't really make any sense. Um, But I want to move on from that. And and finally, I want to ask you a final question that I always ask most of the guys that come on the show. And and you know former players and such. Was there a guy growing up that you kind of looked up to and said that played in the major league that you really idolized growing up that you wanted to be like and modeled your game after?
4: Um, I would say I would say in high school when uh, Dustin Pedroia was coming up, um, you know, just just being a being a guy of his his size. you know, a small, smaller middle infield that a lot of people had told, um, you know, you're never, you're never gonna, you're never gonna make it, you're never gonna make it, you're too small, you, you know, you, all this, and you know, he ends up making it, and now is making a great career out of it. Um, you know, I think, I think that growing up um, in high school and then it, it, even in college, just. Trying to work as hard as he did, and you know, show show people that it doesn't it doesn't matter the size you are, or, or you know, anything like that. As long as you put in the put in the work, um, you know, you can only control what you can control. And if and if you work hard at something, um, you know, you never know what could happen.
1: And uh, that's Pat McKenna joining us here on Around the Diamond. Pat, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, of course, actually, yeah, you guys are up against the Ottawa Champions tonight, so uh, I hope you don't do as much damage, damage as you did in the last series. It was a pleasure to have you on. All right,
3: thank you very
2: much.
4: Hey, this is Jason Coker from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're
1: listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 1079. Welcome back to the final segment of the July 23rd edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. I'm going to keep this quick because this show was jam-packed with interviews, and of course, I thank everyone that listened. Of course, you can check out... All the episodes on my SoundCloud, Diamond Dante Audio. You can follow myself on Twitter, Diamond underscore Dante. That's where I post um, my podcast. That's where I post everything that's going on with my show, guests coming on. Of course, every Saturday and Sunday, you can listen to the show on CKDJ1079. Or you can wait when I post it every Sunday night uh, or Monday mornings uh, is when I post the podcast after it airs on the weekend. Uh, Thanks to everyone that listened to this week's edition of Around the Diamond. We'll see you next week. I want to thank um, Quebec Capitals' Max Tissenbaum for joining me on this week's Around the Diamond. Um, I also want to thank uh, Sussex County Miners' Jay Austin for joining me in our third segment. I want to thank uh, Rockland Boulder's Pat McKenna for talking to me about the bench clearing brawl. Of course, you can watch that viral video uh, online. Just search up. Rockland-Boulders, New Jersey Jackals bench-clearing brawl or Can-Am League bench-clearing brawl. It has over a million views to this point. I believe the last time I checked it out, 850,000, but that was yesterday. So it could be uh, exactly one million views at this point. It's been all over TSN. It's been on Fox. It's been on Vice Sports. It's been on Bleacher Report. It's all over the internet. And uh, it was awesome to hear what Jay Austin and Pat McKenna had to say about that. As uh, we'll see what happens next week on the... Uh, we'll see next week. It will be a August almost an August edition of Around the Dime. We'll have a full recap of the Ottawa Champions month and uh, more things to come. As I had to do this show solo, but it was awesome because I had three awesome guests on the show. So we'll uh, invite Mike Nellis and Corey Mess on next week to talk a little bit more about uh, the Can-Am League, the Ottawa Champions, as we're in a playoff spot right now, or the Ottawa Champions are in a playoff spot. So I'm pretty excited about everything going on in the can League. We thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9.